Today we are going to observe the Lord's Supper, and we will do so at the conclusion of the worship hour, but it will be a part of the uh, worship hour. So it's not we're going to have worship and then the Lord's Supper. It's going to be a part of what we're do, doing today. Uh, so those of you who are at home and you're watching by Facebook, uh, I invite you to get something to drink, making just be a glass of water or orange juice or a sip of whatever, and then a piece of bread, and uh, invite you to join us in the uh, fellowship of the bread and the cup. Now, our text for today is from Matthew's Gospel, and we are still in chapter 6. Uh, and I know some of you may be wondering, Pastor, why aren't you a lot further along in Matthew than, than you are? Well, I don't know about you, but I get really hung up on the teachings of Jesus. <laughs> I really do. I need to hear what Jesus is teaching and what Jesus is saying. And the way Matthew has written his gospel, he's written in, in such a way that when he introduces Jesus, he introduces the King of Kings and he teaches about the kingdom of God. And so going through the book of Matthew, you have to understand that Jesus is the servant king who came from heaven to earth in order that we might enjoy and live forever in God's kingdom. Now, a part of living in God's kingdom is growing in discipleship to understand what the kingdom of God is all about. And we have this thing that we have to deal with in our time called money. And uh, it becomes a stumbling block for some of us uh, in that we are not sure what to do with it, how to use it, and uh, why do we have money? And uh, does money control me or do I control my money? Um, and everybody's talking about money. And yet the kingdom of God is all about how God has blessed you and me and how God wants to use the blessings he's given you uh, to enjoy the kingdom of God. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So we are in Matthew chapter 6 still, and we're beginning in verse 19. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the day we live in, that we can uh, have good employment, uh, that we can start a business, uh, that we can start over when we fail, and uh, that we have all the opportunities that we have to prosper and succeed in our day and time. But Lord, I pray that you will help us to understand the purpose of the blessings of God and the blessings and prosperity that you have brought to us. And I pray, Lord, that we will understand about the, how the kingdom of God works and how you want to bless others through the blessings that you have given to us. And so, Lord, may this be a message of excitement, motivation, stirring our hearts, to be faithful disciples with the blessings of God, faithful stewards. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Before we get started, I often have told a little story. I don't know if I've told it here or not. Excuse me just a second. About the family that decided to go to church one Sunday. After church was over, they are headed home, and on the way home, uh, the dad was talking about... Um, the sermon, he said, you know, it was pretty good, I guess. And, and the wife was talking about the music. She said, I thought it was all right. Could have done this and could have done that a little better. And, and um, they asked the kids, said, what do y'all think about church today? And 
And uh, one of them spoke up and said, I thought it was a pretty good show since we all got in for a quarter. <laughs> well, that does say a whole lot, doesn't it? It does say a whole lot. Um, let's read the text. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Uh, sometimes it's translated the word mammon. I'm only going to try to speak for just a few minutes today because we want to uh, move on toward the Lord's Supper. And uh, somebody has reminded me always there are no bad short sermons uh, going forward. But when I do speak about tithing and speak about stewardship and speak about giving uh, in the church, it's a topic that I love to talk about. It hasn't always been that way in my ministry. I, I used to mm -mm stutter a lot when I talked about uh, tithing and stewardship, but I don't st st stutter as much now as I used to. Um, seriously, though, I have come to understand the great blessing of God uh, according to this scripture and this teaching here about uh, how to use the blessings that God has given to us. And so the first point I want to talk about covers verses 19 through 21 where Jesus says, store up your treasures. Where do you invest your treasures? My investments are either a temporal or an eternal investment. In other words, if I could say, how do I spend my money? How do I spend my income? Uh, spending it is an investment. I'm either investing in me or I'm investing in my, um, my won't worm, we call it. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. Or we are investing in the kingdom of God. And the Bible teaches that there is an eternal kingdom and there's a temporal kingdom. The eternal kingdom is the kingdom of God that I invest in. And we call those spiritual treasures that we are able to give to the kingdom of God. The temporal treasures are the treasures of this life. These investments of this life are short-lived. Um, you just can't take those with you forever. Um, there's a risk, and according to the scripture here, that moth and rust will destroy it. In Bible times, two items that were used in barter or exchange uh, in the marketplace was cloth and, uh, and the other was precious uh, metals. And uh, Jesus is saying, uh, be sure that your investment is eternal and that you are able to avoid uh, losing everything that you thought you had. Um, one of those spiritual treasures might be uh, developing a character of holiness. This is an eternal treasure. 
that God develops in you and me that we will take to heaven with us. I believe with all my heart that as a disciple of Jesus, God is molding us and fashioning us to be like Christ so he can give us assignments in his holy heaven. And as we grow in holiness, we are growing in the spiritual realm. When we invest our income in worship, in the kingdom of God, in the things of God, in scripture, um, in the offerings of God, we are investing in the holiness of building a holy character and building the church and building the people of God. Another spiritual treasure that's eternal might be called obedience to God's commands. Doing what God wants you to do. Stewardship really is, really does boil down to being faithful to the commands of Almighty God. And I'm, when I'm faithful to the Lord, uh, He rewards me. And I'm growing in character and I'm becoming more like Jesus who was faithful to the Heavenly Father. Another spiritual treasure of this life that's eternal are the number of souls that you have won to Jesus Christ. People that you have, have shared the gospel with, and somewhere down the line they came to know G Jesus Christ. Um, I said a few Sundays ago, and I'll say it again, you can't take your earthly things, your earthly stuff to heaven. Uh, we have this philosophy these days that... that um, uh, we want to accumulate as much as we possibly can because the person who dies with the most stuff wins the game, you know? And the truth is, you can't take all these material things to heaven. But you can take your family. You can take your children. You can take your neighbors. Uh, you can take the people down the road as you share Christ with them. And once they come to know Christ, they become disciples of the Lord Jesus and they have life eternal. And when you and I enter into God's heaven, we're going to recognize the people that we've shared the gospel with. And there's going to be a lot of people there that came to know Jesus Christ because we were faithful to give to missions. We were faithful to give to the church. We were faithful to give to the kingdom of God. And they became members of the body of Christ by believing in Jesus and were saved. So that's what I mean by eternal treasures, spiritual treasures that outlast this world. Even the spiritual disciplines that we grow in, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. How in the world are we using the blessings of God to us to grow as disciples of the Lord Jesus? Well, that's the question that Jesus asked here. And he, he uses an illustration that to me, I've always wondered what it meant. I spent a little more time on this this week. And I think it's uh, very enlightening, if I might use that word, beginning in verse 22. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. Your eye is the lamp of the body. You ever noticed uh, somebody would say, I want to I look in your eyes. I want to see your eyes. I've told people, I don't like to text because I can't see your eyes. I don't like to text because I can't see your body posture. I don't like to text because I'm not sure what you're saying or may not know you well enough. But if I'm in person with you and I see your posture and I see your eyes, I can tell a whole lot about you and what's going on and what you're trying to communicate to me if you would just let me see your eyes. I watched a little uh, a tombstone. Y'all remember that movie? It was on TV this week. 
and uh, Doc Holliday and uh, Ringo, right at the end of the movie, they're getting ready to, you know, draw on each other. And it's kind of like Good, Bad, and Ugly. You know that movie, too? Right at the end of the movie, their eyes are looking at each other. Their eyes are watching each other. Their eyes are watching each other, you know? And uh, it's like you're looking into the soul of the person as you look into their eyes. As you look into their eyes. That's why when I'm out in public, if I've got shades on, uh, or I'm around people with shades on, I wish you'd just take a shot. I want to see your eyes. I want to see your eyes. Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is not clear, your whole body, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is in darkness, how great is the darkness. Now the word eye here in this passage of scripture um, is, really means without folds, just like a cloth is laid out without folds. Um, to have clear vision means that we are able to see and focus simply. The Latin word from this Greek word is the word simplex, or simply. So if you have simple vision, you have clear vision. That's really, really uh, what he's trying to say. And to see clearly is not to have double vision or is not to have a clouded vision. Anybody here had uh, cataract surgery yet? Yeah, I was driving down the road one night and got to where I couldn't read the road signs, and I said, I need a new prescription. And I went to the doctor, and he said, you don't need a new prescription, you need surgery. I said, I'm too young to have cataracts. He said, well, you got them, we got to get, we got to get rid of them. So I could see better once I got the cataracts off. Well, when you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're able to see more clearly the purpose of the blessings of God. And I want to name just a few. In fact... It's not my list. It comes from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, uh, verses 17 and 18. Paul said to young Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, uh, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. If I understand correctly what God is wanting me to do with my income, money that I have earned, I need to understand, number one, it all belongs to Him. Psalm 24 is very clear about that. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all the people that dwell in it. I belong to the Lord and the whole world belongs to, to the Lord. So as I have been blessed by the ability to work, by the ability to earn, then I need to understand it all belongs to the Lord. Now my vision is going to be clear that God can use my income. Now the word for, for here is for wealth. You say, well, I'm not wealthy. Well, you can always compare yourself to somebody that makes more money than you. I told my wife one day, I said, you ain't going to believe this, but there are people in the world that make more money than you and I do. I know that's just hard to believe, but that's true. Um, but if you are living in America, if you're living in Meade County, among the population of the whole world, you are wealthy. You really are. What are you doing with what God has blessed you with? So in this passage of Scripture, Paul is saying, number one, don't become arrogant about what you own. Don't let what you own uh, become your identity. I have this, I have that, look at me, whoop-de-woo. 
work hard instead and be successful in life, but don't think of yourself as better than others because of your income. In fact, in Deuteronomy, Moses reminds us, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth or to work or to have an income. So be not arrogant, but be faithful. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in how you handle your money. I would like to ask you the question, do you handle your money or does your money handle you? Do you handle your money or does your money handle you? I have to ask myself that question. And uh, sometimes my money handles me. It's just burning in my pocket. Just a burning a hole in my pocket. My daddy used to say that. That son, your money just burning a hole in your pocket. You just can't wait to get, get rid of it. So ask yourself, am I managing God's blessings to me or, am, or, or is my income, my, what I've earned, is it manip manipulating me? Is it handling me? Number two, be careful that you don't put your trust in wealth. You can lose everything you have so very quickly. Proverbs 23.5 says, um, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So uh, having a good job, having, owning a business, uh, having steady earnings, it can be here today and gone tomorrow. Um, and so the wealth of this world is so fleeting. It's, it's here and it's gone. And to stake your life on it and say, this is who I am, I will always have this wealth, then you have delusioned yourself um, and become dependent on something that is temporal and temp temporary. Paul said to Timothy, teach them to do good deeds. Be rich in good deeds. A good deed is a free act. It's a voluntary act of service toward another person. And doing good deeds for others is the fruit of your salvation in Jesus Christ. I was talking to my stepsister last night, and she was talking about how she gives to the Lord's work. And she said, nobody knows what I give to. Nobody knows why I do what I do except the Lord, and I do it only for the Lord. And I said, you go, sister. You go, sister. You keep being generous, and she is. Uh, you just keep being generous. It's nobody's business. But you be generous with, with other people and because God has certainly been generous with us. If you're going to be rich in good deeds, be faithful where you serve now, where you work now. And God will entrust you with greater responsibility. I remember when I was a seminary student, um, I took a job in a pawn shop. And I didn't like every day of it, not one day. It wasn't where I needed to be in life. But I had to earn a living. I had to have, have an income. And uh, about the third day I was there, the boss said, you, you can't work here anymore. He says, it's just not working out for, for you to be here. And I said, Stan, I need this job. I don't have any income. I don't have anywhere to go. And I need this job. All right, we'll try it one, one more week. I stayed longer than any other employee he had. And when he learned that I could sell things on the floor to, to the public, he really liked me a whole lot. He was a Jewish employer. The only Christian service or ceremony he ever came to 
was the wedding for me and, and Linda Lou. He and his wife came to our wedding in Fairdale. And uh, to this day, that's the only Christian ceremony he's ever been to in his life. He was a veteran of World War II, left dead in Europe, um, served honorably in the National Guard in active duty, was left for dead. And he would say to me in the pawn shop, I don't believe in God. And I wasn't there to argue, and I needed to work. And I just kept working, kept proving to him that you can be faithful. And God took care of that relationship. And through that employment, got me through school. So be generous and be willing to share and be trusted and be trustworthy where God has placed you right now. If I ask a survey today, do you like your job? Don't, don't raise your hand or boo or anything like that. Ask yourself, if you are in a place where you really don't like where you work right now, or you don't like who you work for right now, ask yourself, how can I be a faithful witness to the gospel by helping this business succeed? Because as this business succeeds, I will succeed as well. So don't be a jumper, running from place to place to place. Prosper where you can, promote as often as you can, be as successful as you can, but be faithful in the little things. Be faithful how you treat the other employees. Be faithful how you treat your employer, your supervisor. Pray for your supervisor and pray for those that you supervise as well. Now, I, I put all these things out there, and you say, what in the world does all this have to do with money? The big question today is, what do we do with the income that we have? Do we use it for the glory of God? Do we remain faithful as tithers? Do we remain faithful as givers above the tithe? Or are we uh, still trying to feed some kind of personal ambition that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Jesus sums it up by saying in verse 24, you cannot serve two masters. There's the master of this world that's trying to destroy you. And he will use money. He will use indebtedness. He will use the temptations of spending um, that's out of control. He will use that to try to destroy you if you're serving him. But if you're serving the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand that our investments, how we spend our money, we are accountable to God for that. And I pray that you can say, I've been faithful. I've been faithful. Now, last Sunday, we began to hand out all these tithing uh, statements over here, and we picked ours up. And we had to go home, and, and we had to ask ourselves, does this demonstrate faithfulness, what we gave? Does it demonstrate faithfulness? I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not having to do myself. And so when we do that, we come to terms with the, with the truth that we are accountable for every blessing that we have received from the Lord. And when we give to God, we give generously. Because, folks, you just can't outgive the Lord. 
You just can't outgive the Lord. We're going to move right now toward the in- invitation. And the opportunity is here for you today to give your life to Christ and let him be the one who you truly serve. The one who you're willing to say, I repent of my sin because I understand that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you're willing to say, Father, forgive me of my sin and come into my life and take charge of my life. Take charge of everything in my life. If you recall, the revival I spoke about last Sunday began in that little church in the country where a community member came into the service, gave his life to the Lord, went forward on the offering table there in the front, the altar we call it, and he pulled out his wallet and he pulled out his pocket knife, his car keys, truck keys, and he just put it all down there and he said, I'm giving everything to, to the Lord. Everything in my life now belongs to, to the Lord. I'm not saying you're going to do that today, but in your heart, if you want to be truly transformed, if you want to be truly forgiven of sin, and truly be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, there comes a point where you have to surrender and say, Lord, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm going to live for you. Going forward, everything from here forth, all that I am and all that I have, Lord, belongs to you. Will you stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Father, we thank you for your love and mercy that we can be called the children of God, that we can be forgiven of all of our sin. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities we have to become more like Jesus Christ as we live for you day by day by day. Lord, help us to be better stewards of the blessings that we have. Help us to ask ourselves truly, does our giving record reflect our blessings? Help us, Lord, to understand that we cannot outgive the Lord and that you've already given more than we can repay and that our effort in giving is not to repay you but to thank you and to bless your kingdom. Father, bless the decisions that are going to be made this morning. Some who come to be saved, some come to unite with our church from a sister church, some to rededicate their life. I pray that they'll come while we sing this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.